Hey guys, this is your girl Amber with Reaching Your Potential. I'm so excited. I'm always excited, honestly speaking. But this time I'm extra excited because I have my sister here, not just my OT sister, but my sister from way back from like day one high school track, all this other stuff on this episode. I'm very excited for you guys to know her, get to meet her and actually talk about her experience in a doctoral program for occupational therapy. So let's get started. All right, so as I mentioned before, I have my sister here, Rosie, who is on this episode just about to give her insight on her experience being in a doctoral program at her school in occupational therapy. So everyone meet Rosie. Hey girl. Hi Amber. I am so excited to be here girl. Um, It has been a journey and you know why? Because I was introduced (laughs) to OT by you and I'm super thankful for our friendship, our relationship. Um, But yeah, I'm happy to be here. Again, my name is Rosie, and I did um, complete my doctoral um, degree at Western Union University. Awesome. I'm so excited that you're here. And as Rosie mentioned, I actually introduced her to OT when I was, I I was just starting OT. So I was explaining what OT was. And I was just learning about OT too. But it was just that one quick conversation. It was like a Saturday night or something. And you called me and you're like, hey, I know you're doing OT. What is it? And I I may be interested in it. And I just encourage him like, you should do it. It's going to be amazing. It's just a great field where we can collide science and creativity and just getting people as independent as possible. And I'm so glad that that one conversation just sparked all of that. And now you're Dr. Rosie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, the name hasn't really sunk in as yet, but I'm sure it will um, as time goes on. But yeah, I'm, I'm very happy I made this decision. I actually wanted to do physical therapy at first. And I remember taking your advice and just you know, listening to what you were saying about going to shadow and OT and shadow in different settings. And that's exactly what I did when I was in undergrad because I um, did my undergrad at Portland State University. Um, and at that time, you know, I was an athlete at a track and field, um, as Amber mentioned. And I wanted to do PT because I just felt like I wanted to um, work on more of the um, physical therapy aspect of things. But then when I spoke to Amber and she introduced me to OT and then I shadowed, I fell in love with it. I think I really fell in love with the PEDS um, (laughs) shadowing opportunity, just playing with the kids in the gym and learning about movements and um, that sort of stuff because I really um, love that area of OT. So yeah, that drew me in. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And talking about movement as well. So Rosie is not just a doctor in OT, but she's also a certified personal trainer. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, so at Portland State, um, man, I love my college, um, but <laughs> I feel like it just provided me with a lot of opportunities and I met so many wonderful people. But one of the things that I really liked about it is in my senior year at Portland State University, they were actually offering a ACE certified um, personal training certification. And I jumped on it. I was like, I love movement. I love teaching people to move. I absolutely love exercising. This will forever be a part of me. And I felt like I was leaving track and field and I, I couldn't let go. So I was like, what do I do? Right. And that opportunity presented itself. And I was like, I'm going to be a trainer. And the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> That's so smart because I wish my college had that type of opportunity I feel like they, they it was a little bit different you know like it wasn't personal training but it was more in terms of I think like a strengthening conditioning one but yeah. at the time I just didn't have enough time to put to all my it. energy yeah but yeah. now I'm getting into you know fitness yes and all that yes stuff, you you're crushing so, it you're, you are dang. crushing it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rosie. Yeah. So like, that's like one of my goals for this year is to get my certification. And, uh, yay. So, yay. <laughs> oh, this is, this is awesome. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah, we gotta, we have to combine the two because we do. OT is all about movement and activity mm -hmm. analysis and mm -hmm. seeing how people move mm -hmm. their bodies in different ways. And mm -hmm. it's so important. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about how you got into OT, did some shadowing, and mm -hmm. um, how was the process of, well, before we even talk about the process of applying, mm -hmm. why did you choose a doctoral program versus a master's program for OT? Okay, so um, to be honest, when you first introduced the idea of OT to me, I didn't really know that there was a doctoral program and then there was a master's program. So when okay. I really found out about it was when I, I think also through my shadowing experience, they mentioned it because they asked me, am I going to do my doctorate or am I going to do my master's? Um, mm -hmm. And I looked into it a little bit more. And when I was applying on, was it OT cast, I think? It was, Absolutely so. it was just like a common application system. Mm -hmm. So when I was applying through there, um, they had the doctoral programs and they had the MSOT programs. And I did apply to both because I wanted to see where, you know, my opportunities lie. Could I get into, get into a doctoral program? I didn't right. understand much about the difference, but I did mm -hmm. know that I could be like a professor with my OTD, pro, with my OTD um, degree sorry yeah so I just like um I do love teaching and I could see myself being a teacher maybe later mm -hmm. on you know yeah <laughs> um, mm -hmm. further down the line so I was like hey I, I I'll just do it because I never know what I want to do like I like to dip in different things I like to experience um different you know things within OT so I was just like let me pursue um let me pursue this path yeah, that's a smart decision. And that's kind of is the difference between the master's program and the doctoral program. If you yeah. decide later on in, you know, your career that you want to teach or be a professor, you already yeah. have that doctorate so you can you don't have to worry about it. Like my school, I remember we were discussing the idea of creating a doctoral track for our yeah. OT program. 
because Ithaca College is a, they have an OT program, but it's a dual program. So it's a five year, um, you just go straight through. Um, but for me, because of, I kind of started later, I yeah. transferred into the program. So I kind of had to make up some stuff in order to stay within my cohort. Yeah. But either way, I still stayed there um, just in the right amount of time and I had to stay a little bit longer, which was great. But I remember grad year, the chair of the OT department was talking about the idea of having a doctoral track. And mm-hmm. she said, if you want to teach, the doctoral program is for you. But if you don't want to, there's no point. And okay. because it's kind of similar, you know, yeah. um, yes. the, the classes and all that stuff. But Definitely. I low-key want to teach, soon, you know, as you said, like down, down the line. Down the line, but, yes. But like now I know I'm... Iron Man, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, you know, for 15, 20 years of experience. Yes. Like, okay, I think it's time for me to stop doing clinical yes. stuff and just teach people. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly where I was coming from. I just, I love teaching, like even in fitness, I really love teaching people movements. So I was just like, um, you know, let me just pursue this um, as well. But honestly, when I was applying, um, I didn't see much of a difference in terms of the curriculum, except mm-hmm. for the heavy emphasis on like research. Um, that right. was about That was about it, to be honest. Okay, cool. I know we did like a little bit of research during our grad year, but Mm -hmm. as you said, it's probably like really big emphasis in the doctoral program. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was something that we were supposed to um, experience like within a clinical setting or, you know, just Mm kind of like pursue based on our interest during our last year, at least at my um, institution. But because of COVID, we had to adapt. Um, and it was really rough because we wanted to be in the hospital and be working, you know, in these facilities directly with patients, directly right. with staff, intermixing and doing a full-on research um, opportunity or um, program, whatever it is that we were going to be doing, but we had to adapt and do like something virtual. And so it was just a big shift because we had this Mm -hmm. understanding that we wanted to that we were going to do something and we ended up doing something else but we made it work that's all that matters OTs we're just so used to adapting and being flexible oh my gosh (laughs) yes (laughs) that was like the number one word during COVID be flexible (laughs) be adaptable Because if you're not, you're just going to be so miserable because yeah. you're like, why isn't anything going my way? Yes, 100%. So you talked a little bit about research. Can you tell me a little bit about the research that you did? Yeah, so I'll tell you about the one that we were supposed to do. So okay. we were um, in collaboration with Bay State um, Health Medical Center. Um, it's in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it's like the number one trauma care unit. Um, They have a number one trauma care unit there. And so a lot of their, a lot of their trauma that they receive from uh, patients is due to falls. And that's the department that um, some of us were going to be working in, myself in particular. And so I was going to be working in their ambulatory setting, um, working directly with um, 
patients who are part of their falls prevention program. And just meeting them and doing like a needs assessment to see what exactly they wanted us to do. Um, but <laughs> that didn't work mm -hmm. out. So my actual research project was um, in collaboration with two other um, students from my class and we developed a virtual fall prevention program. So they already had a falls prevention program. And so we just took it to the virtual platform where okay. we recorded, you know, um, the educational um, aspect of, you know, preventing falls, why it's important, the side effects, OT's role, um, how to seek help and all those um, kinds of things. So we took it from there in person to online. And the hope is that it can get even bigger within the organization. I think they did have other partners, other you know hospital um, partners looking into it and to expand it and make it bigger. And so, yeah, that's what I ended up doing with my um, other classmates. Cool, I really liked that, that idea because all prevention is, is so important for the geriatric population. Most older adults get injured or, um, yeah, they, they, older adults, they get injured so easily because of a fall. And if they have different comorbidities like osteoporosis or diabetes, high blood pressure, all these other things, it just makes them at a higher risk for just like, fatal like fatality rates. It's just really scary. Exactly. And yeah, your, um, your research actually reminded me of one of my projects back in grad school we had a community engagement course or something like that. Yeah. And we had to go into groups and we had to select whichever facility we want to partner with. And I partnered up with two of my peers and we worked on actually helping older adults prepare for anything weather hazard wise, if that makes oh, sense. That's so yeah. So in Ithaca, we can get really bad snow to the point where you can't have access to food or mm -hmm. um, get somebody to help you wherever you are. So we wanted to make sure that these older adults had the proper evacuation plan or even if they have to stay inside for some apparent reason. Do they have the tools to make sure that they're safe? Do they have the correct contact information to call the right person to help them and wherever they right. are? Do oh, they have the right so medications? Cool. Yeah, it was so cool. And it was like really exciting to like create this like to-go kit in a way. So making sure that they have copies of their medications and um, making sure they have enough food and like this little to-go kit. So yeah, if they have to leave their home, they can just grab this kit and go to uh you know some type of safe haven or some other area that's not wow, their home that's yeah awesome. so oh wow that's really really, really cool, cool yeah it was fun like we had to make a whole presentation and present it at different older adult facilities or like assisted living facilities one person really surprised me because it was a, a male older gentleman he was blind and we had to kind of figure out a way for him to get that information but of course, like with our OT brain, we have to adapt and figure out how can he still 
get the information he needs, even though he has this um, this challenge or like this visual deficit. Deficit, so like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I completely. Wow, oh my goodness, that is so <laughs> creative. Like, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, like who would think that? I mean, like, of course, if we ever have a natural disaster or something like that, but that's like once every, you know, it doesn't happen often, but what do you do if that happens? Do you have all the materials needed? It is really important to always be prepared for any given situation, regardless of what it is. And natural disasters don't really happen that often, but older adults need to be prepared because exactly it is just scary to think about yeah for sure for sure yeah I love that idea I loved your idea too I love the fall prevention thing yeah I feel like I need to tell some of my patients about those things oh my goodness yes yes oh my gosh for sure so some of them they scare me how they walk and I'm like Oh, you need to throw away this throw rug and it's too much clutter here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the CDC has like some really great resources and I can um, ask my other classmates too if it's okay for me to share things with you. Like I'm I'm open to doing that. Yeah, of course. Send them my way because I would (laughs) love to share. I would just love to share with my patients this stuff because sometimes I feel like they don't believe me when I say this throw bu- this throw rug will literally cause a fall. You need mm-hmm. to either keep it where it's not going to flip over or you need to remove it. And sometimes they're just like, oh no, it's fine. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Rosie, since mm-hmm. you have your doctorate after receiving your doctors, like, how did you feel? And especially as a person of color, as okay. a Black woman, how do you feel? Um, I would say just, um, first of all, receiving my degree in general, um, re- regardless of all, um, you know, like, circumstances um, or my race or my gender, just as a person, like, I felt like it was just a major accomplishment because one, it's not, you know, every day that you meet someone and they will say, I've got my doctorate in this or I got my doctorate in that, even though there mm-hmm. are lots of people who um, have done so. But it just made me feel like I accomplished something that I never thought of doing. Got I it. cannot sit here and tell you that I've thought of getting my doctorate. Nope. It's just something that happened um, while I was, mm-hmm. as I told you before, um, filling out my application and doing my research. And then it became like a thing like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have my doctorate. So even in school, like it never really like came across like, oh, my God, you know, like I'm going to have my doctorate. <laughs> but once I got it, it was just that OMG moment. Um, And for me, it was just so surreal because like on both sides of my family, the highest degree that anyone um, has typically for for most of the individuals on my family is a high school um, diploma. And the women tend to do have a higher um, 
you know, a degree than the men in my family, but then I am the first to have my doctorate on both sides. And then as a black woman, as you um, asked, it is rare because as you know, we weren't offered the opportunity to pursue an education, to sit in a classroom with others. And um, it's just a very like historic feeling, historic moment. And I can't wait to fully celebrate it the way I want to because with COVID, I didn't get to go back home to my grandma um, and celebrate my, um, you know, my degree, I celebrated it here a little bit, but not to mm -hmm. like the fullest extent, but um, yeah. I'm very proud. And it's in history within my family, it's a history for the African-American community. It, it's just a history in general. So I'm very grateful. That's amazing, Rosie. I'm just so proud of you because as you Thank said, you. you weren't you weren't thinking about doing this at all. <laughs> not and it's just God just mm -hmm. orchestrating everything. I honestly feel that. And it's just amazing that you're able to leave a legacy already. Like you're young, but like you can draw back to like, if you have children in the future, like I was the first in my family to get my doctorates and mm -hmm. it just gives the future generation that encouragement yes. that they can, they can do it too. Definitely. And that's a part of it too, because when I, um, look back at the younger um, males and females in my family. So like my nieces, um, upcoming nephews and nieces, um, my sister mm -hmm. and just younger cousins, like they have someone to look up to. And, you know, that's yeah. great. And it's someone who looks like them and represents them and has gone through some of the struggles that are similar to them. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. And especially yeah. they know you personally. Exactly. Not just a random person like their family so they're like oh my my auntie or my cousin is a doctor and I can go to school and be a doctor too so that's awesome it's so yeah. inspirational thank you so much no problem and I just had to ask a quick question because I just thought about it just now mm -hmm. um yeah. being a person of color mm -hmm. in your school how was that? Like, were you the only Black person in your cohort or in the program? Mm -hmm. um, what was that experience like? So, you know, I actually get this question a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I get it from both ends of the spectrum. So people who are of color and people who aren't of color. Um, right. But I find that people who are of color, like they really want to know a bit more, like they're very <laughs> curious to know all the details. Um, and that's because yeah. you see us represented in those settings a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. In my program, um, there was a handful of individuals of color, color. Um, honestly, yes. it was one of the most like diverse um, OT, OTD programs um, based on what I've seen in other cohorts and when people visit yeah. the school they said the same too so right. I think we had a decent mix I wouldn't say it was split half I think the majority was still um, Caucasian however mm -hmm. um, it was close to half I can't count them all <laughs> but it was a good mix that's a good thing that's good. Um, that is a good thing yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Good. I know um, for my program wasn't like that. So. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. 
Yeah, so when I transferred into the program, of course, majority of the cohort was female, but I was the only Black individual in my graduating cohort. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was entering my grad year, there started to become more people of color in oh, wow. the OT program in general. Mm-hmm. But it was still less than 10. Okay. And that's, yeah, so it's still kind of like, they still need, some things need to be done, honestly speaking. But yeah. just thinking, if I didn't transfer into the program, there wouldn't have been no Black people in that That representation cohort. wouldn't have been there. And that's significant. Right. Yeah, it is. And I feel like my program tried their best to make sure I was um, supported as much as possible, which I was very thankful for. That's um, awesome. But you know, at the end yeah. of the day, you can try your best as much as possible, but it's still different, yeah. you know, yeah. like just walk into the classroom and knowing that I'm the only Black person there. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. there would be different discussions in the classroom that made me feel a type of way. And sometimes mm-hmm. I had to speak on it or sometimes I didn't speak on it because I just didn't feel comfortable just speaking um in front of a class full of white people and I'm the only black person and I didn't want to be like that black person like representing all black people because I can't do that different you know yeah exactly so yeah yeah like at the end of the day I enjoyed my experience I felt like um there were a few of my peers I definitely lean on a lot um for support and um we were a pretty supportive cohort for sure. I I appreciate my cohort a lot and especially like the few that I became really close with. Um they they really made my um my experience in the OT program the best I I can even like I really can't complain for the most part. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think um for me too the, it was a culture shock like first going yeah. into the program cuz even though it was important Lynn, the girls on the track team were like my track sisters like you know how it is when you're yeah. on track team, mm-hmm. like, sisters and most of the sprinters were african-american or you know mm-hmm. just black females and males um and we were very close we did everything together so it's like even though there was a camp campus filled with um individuals from other races like and other backgrounds like we saw each other all the time so it didn't right. really feel it didn't really feel like oh like i felt so you know like different so I had you know a little group of um, individuals to cling to but then going to grad school the culture shock was just um one not having like professors that um represented me and my background um but my professors were so um, caring and they, like you, they were supportive too. And they were always there to give a listening ear, but not seeing that in such a small environment, um, it, mm-hmm. it, it just kind of shifted a little bit because I yeah. came from a background where my coach was like the person I look up to a lot, went to and spoke to a lot. And so yeah. it was just different going into grad school. And I would mm-hmm. say that I got a little bit more <laughs> introverted mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely did. And then also, um, I was very close to the family of my track sisters. And then coming into grad school, it was not the same. Um, I had to, you know, make new friends. And um, yeah. 
yeah, it was just, it was just really different. And I had to get used to the way I, um, approach certain things or, um, you know, just the way I am, like I had to really do a lot of self-reflection. Like, is it me? I had a lot of like, is it me moments? Mm -hmm. Am I moments? What is going on moments? So it was just, you know, very, very different. But um, it taught me a lot, and I really learned a lot of valuable lessons. But about um, both for myself and of others in general, and that experience. So, yeah, yeah, I feel you. I, even like as you said, with the track team, you're around them all the time, and then mm-hmm. when you have to kind of separate yourself from that that culture and that I don't know, just the just that environment Mm -hmm. it really takes time to kind of find yourself oh my god um, yes it's Mm -hmm. so hard and even though like I was in the same college it still was a transition for me um during my fifth year um I couldn't be on the team because my four-year eligibility was up so my coach said like oh you can be an assistant coach I'm like okay that's cool but it was still different I wasn't on the team Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so I had to now figure out what am I doing outside of track? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, what is my identity? And it it was kind of tough at first. And as you said, you have to make new friends or you have to get accumulated or accustomed. A you have to be accustomed to your cohort and who is a part of your, your class and see if it works out like can you hang out with them can you study with them like these are people that you have to get used to and it definitely took some time for me I know (laughs) for sure to um kind of get outside of my comfort zone and like hey do you guys want to study together or do you guys (laughs) want (laughs) like be a part of my group like it was so scary because most of my excuses, not excuses, but most of my reasoning as to why I can't do certain things is because, oh, I have track practice. I have a track meet. Now I don't have those excuses. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I I definitely get it. I get it, it. I get it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Rosie, do you have any big goals for yourself as an OT? Um, oh man, I think I have a lot of goals. I don't know, like, if there is like a, like this one big goal, but I do have a lot of goals. Um, my ultimate goal is to combine fitness and OT because fitness is my first profession, my first passion. And, um, then OT is like my second love, my second passion. And so my ultimate goal is to combine the two and, you know, we'll see what the future holds there. But um, yeah, I'm just taking it one step at a time, but I would love to definitely do something um, in relating to the two professions. No, that would be so dope with having fitness and OT in one. That, mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Cool. And thinking about as your experience in the doctoral program as an OT student, what would be your advice for anybody that's interested in applying for a doctoral program what is something that you wish you knew beforehand um, that you found out later on while you were in the program 
Um, well, <laughs> I think there is a lot that I found out, but one of the biggest things was, you know, just kind of, if I could give an advice, it would be definitely researching about the program that you're going into. For me, there wasn't like any other students that I could talk to because mine was a, um, I am the pioneer, a part of the pioneers of the program. Got it. So it was mm-hmm. a first year, first established kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. I just had my, the curriculum to trust and the professors who I spoke with, and mm-hmm. I didn't really have other students to talk to. So I would say um, definitely try to, um, try to look into all your options and don't rush into any decision. If you get accepted into a program and you didn't get accepted into the one that you want to, don't settle for, you know, okay, because I got accepted, I'm gonna go here. Like look into all the options and keep trying. If you feel as if you need to take like a break before actually, um, you know, going into a program and you wanna reapply again, then do so. Mm because I've always looked back at my experience and I'm grateful for, you know, the program that I got into, but also yeah. if I could have taken a break and not rush my application process and, you know, just think about the other opportunities that are mm-hmm. out there for MSOT and OTD, then um, I would have, you know, reapplied to more programs and expanded my options a little bit more. So Just do your research and connect with others if that opportunity is there. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. Don't be afraid to ask others about their experiences um, and just have an open mind because even though certain experiences can seem very risky, like the one that I took, Mm -hmm. I think it was a big risk because I remember reading things about programs that um, students weren't able to... um, they attended, but they weren't able to actually um, work simply because it wasn't accredited. And so mm, I was right. I was sure that was going to happen. But I'm happy I took the risk to, you know, attend my program. And I'm very, very, very proud of the experiences. So, yeah, don't be afraid to take the risk. <laughs> That's a great advice. Don't be afraid to take the risk and do your research, because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like we said, oh, yeah, we did our research. And then you only looked at like two schools. Two schools. <laughs> you know, <it>. yeah. <laughs> like, like, what is that? So yeah, you have to do your research, make sure that it has all the qualifications that you are looking for. But also, <laughs> if you have an opportunity to talk to somebody that's in the program. Do so. Even, yeah, do so. Or email the school, you know, yes. call them, contact them, see yes. what's up before you put your money into the application (laughs) yeah and I think also a big tip because I don't know when I'm gonna be able to share this information again I mean I can at any point but being from New York I actually found out that if I had chosen to go to one of these schools um, that's affiliated with the DOE I could have for example I think York and SUNY Downstate is one of these schools yeah chosen to go there they do offer a loan forgiveness for OTs um and one of yeah and this is different from public service loan forgiveness actually so you would commit for them to pay for one year of your um program whether it's MSOT or OTD you'd commit two years to them so for me like let's say Mm -hmm. I got accepted into SUNY downstate and I worked for the DOE and I applied for you know that um 
loan forgiveness and I got accepted, right. they would pay for all three years um, had I commit six years to them. So, wow. yeah, that's a big tip for those who are in New York. Do your research. Please do your research and see what your state offers via the different routes of OT. See, you guys are getting some nice little tea here. <laughs> the, gems. <laughs> the little gems here. So yeah. if you guys yeah. heard it and you're in New York and still in school or about to apply, yes. New York and SUNY Downstate, yeah. and those that are just forgiveness. Two. Yeah. Right. Those are just two. There are others. Um, and I'm more than willing to share the resource as well. I'd have to dig it from my email, but... Um, I, I'm definitely um, up for sharing of any of the information we discussed here today with anyone. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Rosie, for all that you have given um, yeah. in this episode, all of your gems and just your journey and your experience. I think that's so exciting to just hear all of this. I mean, like I know most of it, but like mm -hmm. the audience gets to know a little bit about you, which I think is so exciting. So thank you thanks so much. again. Thank you. Of you're course. doing amazing things, sis. <laughs> uh, you're, too, you're too much. You're too much. <laughs> and um, last thing, um, if you have any social media handles, Instagram page, I know you do. I follow them already. But yeah. um, let the audience know about them so they can follow you. So if you would like to follow me on IG via my OT page, you can follow me at the fit underscore OT underscore NYC. And if you'd like to follow me for fitness, you can follow me at Rose, that's R-O-Z-E underscore stimulus fit. There we have it, guys. This is my girl, Rosie. She was on this episode talking about her experience in her doctoral program and even dropping some gems on how she wants to combine fitness with OT. I'm so happy that she was here with me to just discuss some few things and even just like catch up too. So this is amazing. So thanks again, Rosie, for everything that you're doing. You're going to be doing great things and you know I'm supporting you all the way <laughs> thank you Amber it's been a pleasure of course so guys this is your girl Amber we're reaching your potential I'll talk to you guys soon peace out